0: And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was, as it were, the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried seven Thunders uttered their voices. When the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and earth and the things that therein are. And the sea and the things which therein are therein that there should be time no longer. But in the days of his voice, of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me of the little book, and he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall be it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And he took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples, nations, and tongues, and kings. Let's pray. Eternal Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, for your kindness, and your goodness. Father, we thank you for your word. Just love your word, Father. I love it. We thank you, Lord, for so many come tonight when all other things are happening around us, when there's wickedness on the left hand and on the right, and deception and deceit, and every level from government down. We thank you that you are the truth. We thank you, you are absolute truth. There is no darkness in thee. And there is no shadow of turning. Father, we bring this congregation to you tonight. We ask you, Lord, that you would bless them in their faithfulness. And Lord, that you would encourage them. We thank Lord, of the very days that we have left behind and Lord we feel at times even Lord when we are agitated and irritated at watching not only the children of our nation but the government in our nation, the people of our nation, watching the, the very church in the nation. And we watch it Lord and where it's headed to, how far it's going from you. And oh God, We pray that you'd have mercy. Lord, we hate that which you hate. We love that which you love. And we are unashamed of your son. We are so glad to be associated with the Nazarene. And we thank you for him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that Tonight we'll mark the 500 years of renewed light from darkness. Tonight we mark it, Lord. And when we mark renewed light, Father, many others are marking it for Halloween when there's a witching hour. And they're marking the darkness again. Oh God, have mercy on their souls. Have mercy, oh God. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would settle us in your presence. Father, would you fortify your church. Lord, we're concerned. Lord, waken them up. Cause them to be awake. And glorify your name. For Jesus' sake, I pray and ask it. Amen in Revelation chapter 10. 500 years this date, the 31st of October marks the very anniversary of Martin Luther when he nailed the the 95 theses to the Wittenberg Cathedral or castle as some people call it, door in Germany. And He declared that just shall live by faith. Now to mark this, brothers and sisters, I personally feel this is a very, very important evening you're sitting in. And while others have missed this evening, and whatever reason, that's fair enough, I'm not giving off at them. I'm just saying it's very important. I believe every church should be packed to the rafters. Every single church should be packed to their rafters tonight to thank God for His grace. Notice this. In Revelation 9, we won't read it. When you mark it, go home. Revelation 9 shows the rise of Islam. So when you see the rise of Islam, then you'll see where Rome, the church of Rome, was at war with Islam during this period. Then get into Revelation chapter 10. You find a little book opened. Here we find the Reformation. Here we find... The, the, look, here's the thing. People say, even Christians, and they criticize other Christians for saying They they remember the Protestant Reformation. Let me say this. If there wasn't a Protestant Reformation, you wouldn't have a Bible in your hand. And neither would they. Whatever spurious version they use anyhow, but they still wouldn't have any. Here's a little pointer before we open this up to you. In Revelation chapter 10, you have the Reformation mentioned. The little book open is the printed Bible. We'll look at that. And you'll also, this is what's known as the the prophetic reign of the Antichrist. I know people talk about a future Antichrist. Listen, there are many Antichrists, John says, in his day. Antichrist is a spirit. Here it is headed in Rome. It is headed in Islam and it is headed also in World World Banking Jury. So it is a many pronged beast, if you want. Now notice this. John writes, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. Who is this mighty angel? This mighty angel is symbolic. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's just show you, because I want to just show you other Bible patterns. This is Exodus chapter 23, please. Exodus 23. So Israel have come out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. That's where I run down to verse 20. Listen to what the Lord says to Moses for guidance. Behold, I send an angel before thee. Now the word angel before thee should have a capital A or other times it reads angel doesn't. That is if you're reading the proper translation. And the reason it is because it personalizes it. This is the angel of the Lord. It's a theophany it's called. It's a an appearance, a manifestation of God. So this is the Lord Jesus Christ in a pre-Bethlehem appearance, if you want. And he says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. Notice, he will not pardon. Why? Because sacrifice of animals was here. Christ would come in the flesh, the same one, and die for the pardon, or if you want, the forgiveness of our sins, pardon of our transgressions. At this time, he says, it's not time. Now I notice this. He will not pardon your transgressions for my name is in him. So God says, My name is in him. Yahweh says, My name is in him. The name of Jesus means Yah saves, or Yahshua, Yah the Savior. My name is in him. So the one whom Israel followed, who is Israel's king, who is your king and my king, is the Lord Jesus Christ. When we go to the New Testament, John 17 And verse 6, you can write it down, we haven't time to read through it all. John 17 and verse 6. The Lord Jesus says, when he's praying, he's praying to his Father and he says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. He's saying, Father, I have manifested your name. So the name of Jesus is also the name the Father has given. And it's the Father's name. Or it is Yah. Then when we go to verse 12, he says to the Father, I have kept them in thy name. And then in verse 26, he says, I have declared unto them thy name. So that's Jesus praying the high priestly prayers that's known in John 17. So here we can see That this one who is in Deuteronomy, or pardon me, Exodus 23 and verse 21, whom the Lord says he goes before you, this angel with a capital A, is the Lord Jesus himself. And then it says in, let's go back to Revelation chapter 10 and verse 1, the angel gives us five points of identification. Write down five points of identification That this is Christ. Okay? When we say it is the Lord Jesus, it's not the man Christ Jesus. It's a vision of who he is. Okay, first of all, the five points. Verse 1 says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. There's point one. Clothed with a cloud. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 9, the Lord Jesus, who has risen from the dead, standing on the Mount of Olives, ascends up into heaven, and his disciples are watching him as he goes up into heaven. And the two men, or the two angelic beings, saying, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who taken up from, from you into heaven shall so come in like, like manner again from heaven. But we're told Jesus was taken up, and what received them out of their sight? clouds received him so in the going out there's clouds okay now notice this stay with me he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight acts chapter 1 verse 9 turn with me to revelation chapter 1 verse 7 jesus is in glory revelation chapter 1 verse 7 he's taken up and now he's in glory When he returns, notice what it says. Behold, he cometh with clouds. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. So here he's mentioned with clouds again. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation 14. let your eye run down. Verse 14. And I looked and behold a white cloud and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. So here is the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen ascended Christ. He is now sitting, as it were, upon a cloud. Now, this actually—if you read the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, book of Daniel, Daniel's told shut up the book, seal it up. Book of Revelation means to reveal it. Write the Lord, uh, the angel tells John to write these things, for they must shortly come to pass. Reveal it. Daniel closes it, the vision. Revelation opens the vision. It's like two bookends. Here's the bookend of Daniel. And then all through the time and history, then at the end we have the book of Revelation when all is revealed. So notice here, let's go away back in time to the book of Daniel chapter 7. From Revelation 14, away back in time to the book of Daniel chapter 7. You might say, you know, well, what's this got to do with the Reformation? Stay with me. We're going to look at it. Let your eye run down to verse 13. Daniel 7, verse 13. Daniel writes, And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Here's the Son of Man, i.e., the Son of God. Daniel's seeing him in prophetic vision. He says, Shut it up. It hasn't happened yet. And he's coming in clouds. Towards who? The Ancient of Days, towards his father. Verse 14. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and this kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. That's the kingdom of the coming Christ. So by the time it's shut up, in the book of Revelation chapter 14, now it's saying, It'll be opened. The open Bible is preparing people for this kingdom coming. The Lord Jesus has ascended, Acts 1 and 9. He now is before the Father. The Father is giving him a kingdom and he's coming back again to rule and reign. And in between, we have the open Bible. Doesn't that make sense? You can see how it makes sense. Okay. Let's go a little further. Here's another one. Revelation chapter 10. Revelation 10. And verse 1 again. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head. There's identification mark number 2. A rainbow was upon his head. Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, please. Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 26. Ezekiel sees great visions. Ezekiel's a hard book to decipher in places. It's one of those. There's many learned men, far greater and more learned than me, and some of them say these are spaceships. Honestly, I don't know what they're thinking of, but anyway. They do, really do. I'm not trying to be, it's not condemnation on it. It's just, I'm going, why would an angelic be in need of a spaceship? Let's think about this. It just doesn't make sense, anyway. <laughs> okay. So, Ezekiel chapter 1, 26. Ezekiel writes, And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne. As the appearance of a sapphire stone, and upon the likeness of the throne was the likenesses of the appearance of a man above it, and I saw the colour of amber, as the appearance of fire round about it, round about within it, from the appearance of his loins even upwards, and from the appearance of his loins even downwards, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about, as the appearance. Of the bow that is set in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Notice this rainbow is the likeness of the appearance of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell upon my face. I heard a voice of one that spake so this identification mark is. Is really, then it's an appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So whenever we read this, Revelation chapter 4, if you'll turn with me now. Revelation 4. Revelation 4, let's read from verse 1 just. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Now, let me stop there just to try and clarify something. I'm going, to, I'm going to just go against the grain a bit. In Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, you'll have the introduction of John on Patmos, then the introduction of John to the Lord, and what is happening and what to do. And then you have, going on into 2 and 3, the seven letters to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now, there's prophetic church there in each age. You can find the seven differences in nearly every, uh, in the universal church or even in every assembly you can bring it to. But there's also seven prophetic church ages there. We're living in the seventh, the Laodicean church age. You know what church that is? That's the church that makes, makes the Lord sick. Isn't that terrible? I would that you were neither hot nor cold. And it means, the Lord's not saying, well, love me or like, hit me, whatever you want. He doesn't mean that. Hot means burning my zeal for me. Or cold doesn't mean one well, too cold or against you don't want you anymore. It means refreshingly cold. To refresh others. I would that you were refreshing or burning was we'll seen, but not look warm. That's the church age today we live in. And this is the church when he comes back. This is the church he's outside knocking to get in the door. And so when we get to here, when we get to chapter four dispensational futurism tells you then, here's the rapture. My brothers and sisters, I beg to differ. Because from chapter 4 onwards, it can all be pointed out in history of the Roman Empire right through. And what they say is, oh, then all this happens from chapter 4 to chapter 19. Just take it out because we're not even here. We'll be raptured another out of the road. Don't worry about it. So the open Bible Revelation 10, throw it out. Rise of Islam, chapter 9, throw it out. It doesn't matter to say. This shows that on the earth, the church is going through, Israel is scattered and regathered. And this is what it's all about. So I beg to differ. So when we read this, we're not raptured here, okay? I saw an door open in heaven, and that's meant to be a rapture. I don't know where on earth they're getting that from. So i just want to clarify that wee bit, so as you know. Okay. And the first, and I, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet calling with me and said, Come up hither and I will show thee things which must be, what's the word after that? Which must be? I heard Laverne. Say it again. Who, what is it? (laughs) You aren't sure, there's it written up there. (laughs) (laughs) I will show thee things which must be Now you're told that's going to be sometime in the future when everybody's raptured two or 3,000 years later. But the Bible says from here on, hereafter, doesn't it? So let's just stick with the word. Okay. Sorry, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) And immediately he says, I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was set... Pardon me. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now, when you go you'll see the glory of the throne there also. So here we have the glory of the Lord is likened unto the rainbow. Revelation chapter 10 takes us again and shows us the mighty angel, Christ. And then, uh, comes from heaven, then it is a cloud, then there's a rainbow, and then his face were as it were the sun. Here's the next one. His face were as it were the sun. Okay. So, his face were as it were the sun. So, Revelation chapter 17 please. Or pardon me. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. You see, when you read the, when you start to read into the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, you'll find that the Lord says that He's given these things were done, uh, were signified unto John. That's the word you signified. And if you break that word down, it means signified, signified. So it was given signs and codes. Why was it given in signs and codes? Because the Holy Ghost that was poured out on the church would be the one who would decipher it to those who could see it as it happened. And that the Roman Empire at the time, the known Roman Empire, couldn't stand against it. And of course, down through the years, everything else that comes against it. So notice this. Verse 1, Matthew 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun. Notice this identification mark. His face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Okay? So here we're finding that when Jesus brings them up onto the mountain, Matthew 16, he's asking whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they give all these other renditions of Jeremiah, Elias, one of the, John the Baptist, one of the prophets and all this sort of stuff. And he says, Whom say ye that I am? And Peter says, I art Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, Blessed are they, Sam and bar for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Then he says, uh, and upon this rock, he tells him, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So whenever you see here, that's in chapter 16. Then Peter's dialogue with the Lord, he says, well, he, 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 he turns to Peter and the other disciples and he says, there'll be some here among you who will not see death until they see the glory of the Lord coming. Or oh, the kingdom's coming. You think then by Matthew 17, the kingdom breaks in. No, the, the kingdom comes in the person of Christ. The glory of the Lord comes and they're taken up the mountain and he told the truth because they all died. But he told the truth. They saw the kingdom in Christ. His face shines, the glistening robes and he sees Moses and Elijah speaking to him. All to do with the kingdom. It's not tremendous, just whenever you put it all together like this. So his face is shining as the sun, that's another one. Um, Let me see. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And verse 16. John sees another vision of the attributes of Christ. What does the attribute mean? The attributes of God are really that which is attributed to God. To his nature. So the attributes here all mean something. Like the, the brass feet and the, 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 the blazing eyes and, and the white hair. and It all is symbolic about something about the attribute of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we get here to verse 16, Revelation 1, it says of him, And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Does anybody know what a two-edged sword is? What that sword is? It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. So out of his mouth comes the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so John here, he sees the same. People have these drawings with a sword coming out of a man's mouth. But what he means is this sword is the the word of the Spirit. Every time you're speaking the word of God, you're speaking with a sharp two-edged sword. And it says, And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. So here again we find another identification of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Revelation 1 just. And verse 15. Revelation 1 verse 15. We're going to do this Identification back to front since we're here just okay. Verse 15 says, and his feet like fine brass, and they burn, if they burn, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Now, turn with me to the book of Isaiah 63. Isaiah 63. Everybody with me okay still? Yes? Isaiah 63, and let's just read from verse one. Who is this that cometh from Edom, with dyed garments from Bozrah? This is that. This that is glorious. I have to excuse me, my reading because my eyes are blurry. I need. I've got to go and get my eyes tested yet again. And. I have to see out the bottom corners here. That's why if you see me looking like this, it's because it's those very focals and it's the strong bit at the bottom. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his appearance, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Who do you think that is? It can only be one person, isn't it? It has to be. Wherefore art thy red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth the wine fat? Now some people tend to think that this is him in his own blood. But it's not. It's him coming to trample over the enemies of his people. To crush them out it. I have trodden the wine press alone and of the people that were none with me For I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury. Notice, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. Self-explanatory. And I will stain all my raiment, for the day of vengeance is mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help, and wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. And I will tread down the people in my anger, and will make them drunk in my fury, and will bring down their strength to the earth. Now, this speaking, looking to the coming of Christ, it puts the Lord in a bit of a different light that most people have him as gentle Jesus, meek and mild, doesn't it? Let's go then from there. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 15 and read it again. Verse 14 ends with his eyes were as a flame of fire. Verse 15, and his feet like on the fine brass as they had burned in a furnace. These feet that trample are feet of judgment. That's the idea of it. He's got feet of judgment, coming to judge. Okay. Let's go back to Revelation 10. Verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was, as it were, the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire versus feet see that No. okay so we have these identification marks notice what it says then to identify further in verse 2 and he had in his hand a little book open and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth okay he has a little book open will you turn to revelation chapter 5 So who believes that there's no tears in heaven? Don't we? Doesn't everybody believe there's no tears in heaven? I'm just about to debunk that, okay? (laughs) And I saw in the right hand of him that sat sat on the throne a book written. Within and on the backside, scenes with seven scenes, and I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice, "Who is worthy to open the book and loose the scenes thereof And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon, and I wept much." Scrooge <laughs> always only in the spirit, isn't it? Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven scenes thereof. Who is the lion of the tribe of Judah? The Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the root of David? The Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a strange thing though he says Behold the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's prevailed. Christ alone has prevailed to open the book, to loose the scenes. So John turns around and look at this. Verse 6, And I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the others stood a lamb. He didn't see a lion, he seen a lamb. You see, it's all how you view Christ. Heaven sees him as the glorious son. He's our lion. But the sinner sees him as our lamb. I see him as my Lord. I see him as my God. I see him as the lion. But every time I look at him, I cannot help myself. I always see the lamb. John looks to see a lion. And he sees a lamb. And what was it like? Notice. A lamb as it had been slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes. Now, they're not literal horns and literal eyes. Seven is the number of perfection and completion. And seven means it's perfect omnipotent power. Omniscience in vision and knowledge is the seven eyes. Okay, can't keep you here any longer. We're going to be here all night. Okay, let's go to Revelation chapter 10 again. So in Revelation 10, he sets his foot upon the sea and the land. I showed you that on Sunday night. We'll not go into all that again. Um, But on Sunday night, I told you how the Lord said he would send fishers and hunters over land and sea, in other words. And he would send them out for the lost sheep. But notice this. Here, we have a foot on land. We have a foot on sea. One, is from heaven to earth, claims dominion over it all. And what does he have in his hand? How does he claim? The sharp two-edged sword. The word of God the little book that was opened at the Protestant Reformation. So, let me just round this up and close this for you. Revelation 10, and by the way, I mentioned this briefly, verse 3. Let's read it. And he cried with a loud voice when a land roared. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Notice, he cries and the the angel cries and, and seven thunders utter their voices. And at the time of the Reformation, when the gospel cry was going out and the little book was open and printed, seven papal bulls, general papal bulls, were declared by the Pope in Rome against all heretics. And you, you can actually look them up and find them. I actually had them at one point all written down. I would have to do another study on it. And he declared that even if anyone went along a parallel to the New World, which was a, a, around towards the Americas at the time, that they, anyone crossing this parallel, which ran down the, the Atlantic Ocean from North Pole to the South Pole, that they would be killed. Verse 4, And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. Now, notice what John says. I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not." Now, why? Because the Lord was saying, Don't take heed to that. It's not worth listening to. That's what he's saying. It's the only thing, to my knowledge, in the book of Revelation that is sealed and not opened, the only thing. And so we find in the anniversary. I don't know if you've been uh, following some things online, but uh, uh, apparently in in uh, this week it was the other day, maybe it was Sunday even past. Um, uh, Pope Francis has declared. The Reformation is over. Did anybody else read that? The Reformation is over. Well, if the Reformation's over, why is Mary still co-mediatrix and redemption to them? Why is there still the hocus-pocus of a mass? Why is there still purgatory? Why still pray to dead saints? Why? why if the Because Reformation? Reformation was... To make, uh, reform means to make better by the removal of faults. That's all reformation was to be. And they didn't remove the faults. The 95 Theses was the removal of the faults. And here to these, these, will make the church come back to where it should be. And of course it didn't happen. And it hasn't moved. So it's impossible for a true, blood believer to have fellowship with Darkness. I know that's not politically correct, and there's many people want me to rub hands with that Mr. Rosary and all that sort of stuff. It's just not going to happen, <laughs> and it's not because I'm angry or want vengeance or hurt. It's because it's scripturally incorrect and it's a blasphemy and an abomination unto God. It's only reason. And so we have, as I mentioned, Kenneth Copeland. He's had his ecumenical services with the Jesuits. Just this week, the Lutheran church has now come into fellowship with Rome. Martin Luther would be turning on his grave. Just there the other day, they've now declared this. Together they're coming into fellowship. So, I better close this. Verse 5 And the angels I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted his hand to heaven and swore by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the earth and the things that are therein are and the earth things that therein are and the sea and the things that therein are there should be time no longer. That is time for what the darkness has no longer. The Bible written in Latin for the eloquent and the learned and chained to the pulpit that no one could have in their home. Time of it's finished, he says. (coughs) But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared unto his servants the prophets. The voice which I heard from him from heaven spake unto me again and said, go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me a little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up. It shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and eat it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Jeremiah chapter 15 tells us that the Lord tells him to go and to eat the word. And the exact same thing happens again. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16, Jeremiah says, thy words were found and I did eat them. He didn't just taste them. See, the problem is, is people come to the word of God and they taste it. And they pick at it that which they think is pleasing to their own conscience. And they take a scripture here and they take a scripture there and a promise box mentality here and another one there. And they say, well, this little bit will do me because I like it and it helps me live my life the way I want to live. But rather, when we eat it in its wholeness and completeness, it's, it's lovely. But it becomes better, you know why? Because it challenges the very inner man and woman kills the flesh. It kills the rebellious heart. It kills the man and woman's self made desires. It challenges you to you either die in it or die to self and live in it. And he says, I had it no dear. You killed me. So A little book open. It means he did not just taste them, but he had them. He received them entirely, and he conversed with the word immediately. That's the idea. Eat it. It means converse (laughs) immediately, immediately with it in its fullness. In its fullness. What if the word of God says to you tonight, and what if the word of God says to me tonight, something I really do not like. See, it's bitter. <laughs> or something I really don't want to do. Or something I never really wanted to give up. <clears throat> what, if it, what if the Lord just says here, this is your life and you know you haven't been right. Lord, don't ask me to do that. Don't ask me to give that. Brothers and sisters, you know what? We have to take all of it. It's like when you get your course for your antibiotics, it says, finish the course. Take it, eat it, and finish the course. Then he says, "Thy word was unto me, the joy and rejoicing of my heart, and this is why, and I finish with this line: "For I am called by Thy name, O Lord God of hosts." God bless His word to us all. See how that sort of.